grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday is found recorded in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, beginning at verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he ruled as king in Jerusalem for 31 years. He did what is right in the eyes of the Lord. He walked in the way of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. When they brought out the silver that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord that had been received from the hand of Moses. Hilkiah responded by telling Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Hilkiah then gave the scroll to Shaphan, and Shaphan brought the scroll to the king. He also brought this report to the king. Your servants are doing everything that they were assigned to do. They have emptied the silver found in the house of the Lord from the chest and have delivered it to the overseers and to the workmen. Shavon the secretary then told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. Shavon read it in the presence of the Lord, and when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothing. The king gave this command to Hilkiah and to Ahikam, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Abdon, son of Micah, Shaphan the secretary, and Uzziah, servant of the king. Go and inquire of the Lord for me, and for those who remain in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book which have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is being poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord by doing everything that is written in this book. The king then summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah, with the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the Levites, and all the people from the least to the greatest. In their hearing, he read all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood in his place by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk in the way of the Lord, to keep his commandments, his testimonies, and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul, and to uphold the words of the covenant that were written in this book. Then he made all those who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin stand up and do the same. The inhabitants of Jerusalem acted according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Josiah removed all the abominations from all the lands that belonged to the people of Israel. He influenced everyone in Israel to serve the Lord their God. Throughout all his days, he did not turn away from the Lord, the God of their fathers. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at the 22nd verse, the Apostle Peter writes, Since you have purified your souls by obeying the truth, resulting in sincere brotherly love, 
love one another constantly from a pure heart. For you have been born again, not from perishable seed, but from imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all evil, all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all slander. Like newborn babies, crave the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up with the result of being salvation. Certainly you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, beginning at the ninth verse. Jesus told this parable to certain people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on others. Two men went up to the temple courts to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee, the Pharisee stood and prayed about himself like this. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. However, the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but was beating his chest and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went home justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. People were bringing even their babies to Jesus so that he would touch them. When the disciples saw this, they began to rebuke them. Jesus, but Jesus invited them, saying, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in 1 Peter Chapter 1, beginning at the 22nd verse, I'd like to read these words once more. Since you have purified your souls by obeying the truth, resulting in sincere brotherly love, one, love one another constantly from a pure heart. For you have been born again, not from perishable seed, but from imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore rid yourselves of all evil, all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all slander. Like newborn babies crave the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up with the result being salvation. Certainly you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and stewards of the Lord. As many of you know, I grew up on a hog farm. and In fact, our farm was actually one of the largest farms in the area in producing hogs. We were a market farm. My father always said to us kids, that you guys can befriend any animal you want. But remember, because they're pigs, everyone goes out the door. 
They will be slaughtered for food. So always know that. By the way, we actually built a barn. We, actually, we had two barns full of hogs. One barn dedicated only to farrowing for the, for the sow to give birth in. It was a special, actually, barn that was actually pressurized to cut down on any type of, of breeze or, or, or any coldness. Uh, because in a pressurized system, the heat is the same whether you're standing up or, or laying down on the ground. And that kept from disease. Newborn pigs being born, we want to save as many as we can. This, again, is a market farm. And what I've always found fascinating with the birth of, of even a baby pig is the fact, and I have seen thousands upon thousands of baby pigs being born, is what God instills in that baby pig. I don't believe in evolution one bit and that everything happens by accident, but I'm amazed at how God will grant strength and even wisdom to even a baby pig. Because within an hour, a baby pig will actually get up and start to walk. Yeah, it'll stumble, but it'll begin to walk and goes to the mother's udder to nurse. God has instilled this in them. It's the same with cows as well. But it is not the same for a human child. A human child within an hour does not get up and walk. A human child cannot even come on its own to its mother's breast. It has to be brought. It has to be helped. It has to be helped. But the one thing that a human child and, and even that pig needs is that milk, especially that first milking. It needs that because there is so much nutrients in that milk and so many antibodies that are coming from the mother. It needs that in order to survive. Otherwise, a baby usually doesn't do well. Once again, amazing to me that the need for that milk. See, when a baby's born, we do not offer it a steak dinner. We don't even give it applesauce until it's at least four to six months old. It needs that milk. And you deny that baby that milk, that baby will cry because it is hungry. But in fact, it'll do more than that. You take a, away the baby from its food source, it'll scream. And so when St. Paul writes, crave the milk of the word, some translate it spiritual milk, but it's referring to the word of God. He's saying, scream for it. You badly need it. And especially, you badly need it. Because this is the word that gives us salvation. I find fascinating how St. Peter describes God's word in so many different ways. And as we understand these words, we understand the salvation that that word gives us. Like, for instance, he speaks of it as the truth. Not just one true philosophy among many, but he speaks of it as the truth. This is the absolute truth. Anything contrary to the absolute truth is a lie. This is the truth. 
And what is the truth? That you and I are born sinners. We are sinful human beings who cannot save ourselves. But the truth is also that our very Son of God took on human flesh and paid for those sins with his perfect life and his sacrifice on the cross. That's the truth. It is not surprising to hear the words of Jesus saying, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And then he speaks of the word being living. It's not simply a living document that changes with time. But rather, it is living. Because this word, and only this word, grants eternal life. Not only do we have the blessings of forgiveness because of the sacrifice on the cross, but we have the sure hope of everlasting life, that there is life after death. And this word, through which the Holy Spirit works to strengthen our faith, to trust in that word, moves our hearts to have peace, that heaven is our home. But even more than that, this word is enduring. He even quotes from Isaiah, the prophet who spoke that same way, in chapter 40, which is that whole chapter of comfort, speaking of the Savior that was to come and atone for the sins of the world, he speaks of how the grass and the flowers will fail and, and wither. They're here today and gone tomorrow. But the word of the Lord is not that way. The, Lord, the word of the Lord will endure forever. And if the Lord, word of the Lord endures forever, then that means it is the most important word, the most important gift that God has given us. Because without it, we are lost. Without it, we wouldn't know our salvation. This is the word that will be standing true on judgment day itself. In fact, it is through this living and enduring word that we're born again. Jesus spoke of being born again to Nicodemus when he met with him one night privately. And he spoke of being born again with water and the Spirit, referring to baptism. Nicodemus said, do we have to get back into our mother and be born again? And he spoke of being born again in a physical sense. Even St. Peter makes it clear that this is not being born of perishable seed. We come from the seed of our mother and father. Our mother and father inherited a sinful nature. Our mother and father are mortal. We inherit that sinful nature from them, and that makes us mortal as well. But through the word, the seed of the imperishable word, we are made imperishable once again with the hope of everlasting life and life after death. This is what the word blesses us with. And this is why the word is so important. This is why we must scream for it. Because like newborn babies, we can't live without it. Or we would truly die and be lost eternally. There's one more word that's described, that describes this word. And that word is pure. This is the pure milk of the word. It is interesting that when we go shopping, I bet you're probably like me. You 
Check out what you're going to get. You might even read the ingredients. When it comes to the fruits and vegetables, you don't pick the ones that are rotten or the ones that seem a little squishy because you know that inside it's not going to be, it's not going to be right. You, know, you, you take your time to look it over. Even when it comes to meat, uh, I wouldn't be surprised that many even check out the organic section. Because we, we don't want to eat anything that's got chemicals and additives to it. We want something that's not going to hurt and harm our body. Look at how we go out of our way to look for even food that is pure, but how easy it is to take for granted the very word of God and not hold to it in purity and in truth. To hear what our itching ears want to hear and to take for granted that very word. To maybe listen to preachers that are clearly adding and subtracting and changing that holy word. I can't emphasize enough that when it comes to craving this milk of the word, do so taking the heart of that word, letting God speak for himself knowing that this Christian religion is not based on what I think it ought to be, but on what God says it to be. And the heart of Christianity is only through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is the message of salvation. Crave that milk, that pure milk of the word my dear friends, and not only for the salvation, but also that word strengthens you to be what you are as disciples of Jesus Christ. That word purifies you. For not only does the Holy Spirit call us to faith, but even strengthens our faith through that very gospel, through that very word, strengthens our faith to live according to God's holy will. And St. Peter describes God's will as in sincere brotherly love. That to love God shows itself in our love for each other and the way we treat each other. And so then he gives this beautiful invitation, this holy command to love one another constantly from a pure heart. But the word love there is not the brotherly love. No, the word love there is that agape love. So even with brotherly love, he tells us to love with that love that really oversees all kinds of love. No matter what form that love takes, have that agape love, that godly love, that love that gives 100% and expects nothing in return, that love that was used in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is the same word that occurs in 1 John. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. This is a love that's sacrificial. This is a love that's unconditional. This is a love that sees a problem and does something about it. This is a love that is persevering and unending. And this is the love, empowered and motivated by God's love for you, love one another and love one another with that brotherly love. The opposite of love is not hate. 
For love does hate. It hates what is evil. It hates what is selfish. Because what is selfish is evil. Even St. Peter points out the selfish acts that he tells us to get rid of, to put aside, to not wear this kind of clothing. Rid yourselves of all evil wickedness that comes from all ungodliness that just feeds on selfishness. What about me? What's in it for me? Look at me. But in, and get rid of all that evil that includes deceit, using lies and tricks in order to take advantage of another. All for the good of self. Get rid of hypocrisy. Oh, praising the Lord with your lips, but your hearts are far from him, pretending to be Christian, but you're not faking it in front of others, but you cannot fake it before the Almighty. Get rid of all jealousy and envy, which always loves to point the finger at God. God, why are you giving it to them and not giving it to me? Don't I deserve it more than they do? The opposite of jealousy is contentment. Be content with what God has blessed you with. And he's blessed you with eternal life. And slander? That's the breaking of the Eighth Commandment. Taking a person's words and actions in the worst possible way? Do not bear false testimony against your neighbor. Put the best construction, looking to build up instead of tearing down. These are not acts of love. And this is what love hates. Because it is out of love that we love one another. With that love that God has blessed us with. That love he has for us. That love that has saved us. I said in the beginning of the service that I'm really looking forward in having this stewardship emphasis that's coming from our church body called a God-lived life. And why I'm really going to enjoy this set of series, which will be for the next three months as well, just one Sunday a month, is on the fact that so often stewardship is looked upon as, well, here's the emphasis of giving more money to church and probably feeling guilty that I need to put more on the collection plate. But that's not what stewardship is. Putting money in the collection plate and giving of an, an offering is only a small part. It's a small part of our Christian living, and that's what stewardship is all about. Living for the Lord who gave his life for you, and out of thankful love, showing that love in the way you treat one another. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Or as Christ put it, love one another as I have loved you. And he's the Savior. Living a God-pleasing life. At the heart of it all, stewardship is love. But you'll never know what that love is unless you know the word. For the world the word reveals that love. And without that word, there is no love. So crave that pure milk of God's word. Crave it 
because you and I can't live without it. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.